Your style is unorthodox. But effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man, you come right out of a comic book. You are now, now listening, listening to Black, Black Comics, Comics Chat. Chat. Black, Black, Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Shannon, CG, Lauren, and Mel form the Nerds of Prey, a group of ladies bonded by comics, gaming, film, television, and fandom culture. Hang out with them bi-weekly as they dig into the very things that make them loud and proud nerds. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Also, check out their Patreon at patreon.com backslash nerds of prey. Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero and Heroes of Homeroom C, and you are listening to Black Comics Chat. Hey, hey, hello, everyone. What is going on? What's happening? What's cracking? What's popping? This is Marcus Kwame, and we are back with Black Comics Chat. Um, very, very happy to be here. You know, it's been a, been, a, been a long work week and a lot going on in the world, but, um, you know, I definitely like ending the week chatting with 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 you fine people and my my esteemed team and our, our esteemed guest but uh as always i'm gonna start off with the uh introductions of the black comics chat crew um we're hoping to have the whole entire uh furious five on air tonight but as of right now it's myself and uh first up we got as always returning to the show the international lady of mystery the carmen san diego of the crew Always fresh off her award tour. We got Grace in the house. What's going on, good people? It is good to be in the building. Uh, I have missed you all, and I'm uh, so glad to be in. Um, and, yeah, definitely fresh off the tour, literally. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's some good times ahead, and um, going to dive into it. Yeah, definitely. Yes, it's been a minute, Grace. I mean, it's, yeah. it's always, always good to have you back. So Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And next up, we have no longer the newest member of the crew, just the, <laughs> the freshest member of the crew. You know, we got the, the Red Lion, uh, author extraordinaire. We got Tony Snark in the house. Yo, yo, yo. What up, people? Glad to always be here. Um, and, you know, I'm chilling tonight, so I feel good. I feel good. Cool, cool. And as I mentioned, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have the whole crew. Um, uh, both Thelonious and Leo are, are trying to make it on air a little bit late. So, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll have a full house tonight. Crossing fingers, crossing fingers. That's yes. right. That's right. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, we have a very, very special treat. Um, I guess that I've been looking forward to speaking to. Um, you know, you can check out her, her newest work, um, Ghost Stories on rosarium press and it's a it's just an amazing book and she does a lot of really interesting things with narrative and um, i'm just looking forward to getting all into it tonight but we have joining us tonight we have wit taylor how are you wit doing well thank you for having 
Oh, yeah, of course. Definitely. So, you know, on the show, we always like to start out um, just getting to know our guests, letting the listeners get to know our guests. So, um, you know, the first question is about your origin story. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, about you and, uh, you know, where you're from and how you got what your origin is with comics, how you became involved in comics, both as a consumer of comics and as a creator? Sure. Um, I am uh, born and raised in uh, New Jersey, in northern New Jersey, um, suburbia, nothing too exciting. But um, when I was in like second or third grade is when I first got into comics. Um, my mom took me to a local comic book shop. Um, and I think I first comics I picked up were like X-Men and Archie. Um, and for me, I think because I didn't particularly like reading like, you know, regular books, I had trouble like paying attention to them. Comics was a way for me to kind of become more engaged in reading and the whole, the love of comics stuck. Um, I was also really into just like doodling and drawing and making picture books. So I think those two things kind of started early. Um, then I kind of, you know, when I got to high school and college, I fell out of that for a bit. I, you know, I pursued some other things, but it was around late college that I, I rediscovered my love of comics and kind of uh, discovered that there was this whole other side of comics called indie comics and that there's a lot more um, options for, you know, doing things in a lot of different, more, um, I don't know, diverse ways. So it was after college that I started really, um, you know, getting more serious about cartooning and then kind of teach myself uh, how to do things. So I think that's kind of, that was like the, the real jumping off point was maybe like right after I graduated from college. I'm always interested in, uh, in the early, early works. Like, do you remember, I know you mentioned that when you were very young, you would, you know, doodle and make picture books. What's the first thing you book? It doesn't matter like, like how early it was. What's the first thing that you can remember? Um, so my brother and I, my brother's like three years younger than me. He was really into drawing too. Um, and we had this like ongoing like family soap opera called One Family that we did for like a very long time where we just kept adding new members and then writing backstories and then adding new members. But I don't, and we would just use markers so much that like after years, like the pages were like barely holding themselves together. Um, so like an early example is just like doing picture books with my brother and creating all these like storylines. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, so who were, I know you mentioned that you, you know, you've the first memory you remember was picking up X-Men and, uh, Archie, like do what creators do you remember early on or, um, or books or works, which ones were inspirational to you? Um, I mean, in terms of Archie, um, my favorite artist, I think it was Dan DiCarlo. It's just like, he's an artist, you think of Archie, that's just so like classic. Um, I really, I don't know, I like the way he drew Betty and Veronica. Um, I liked, you know, now like as all reading Betty, like reading some of the older Archie comics, it's like, it feels a little bit like, you know, predictable and formulaic, but there's something that I, I liked in that, style of writing that was I liked writing about like the idea of writing about these ongoing friendships and like the ins and outs of like being in high school and that definitely influenced me down the line when I because I ended up making 
my own comic about my high school experience. Um, but yeah, switching over to X-Men, um, I mean, I think that something that was really influential to me at the time too was Generation X, which was like this series that was, um, that Marvel did for a little bit, which was about this whole new team of like adolescent mutants who are like, you know, discover, I mean, discovering their powers, working with their limitations, being angsty teens. Um, and I really liked that too. I also was really into, you know, all the trading cards and just the back stories and the different like you know marvel teams and whatnot um oh, the I don't know if that, yeah exactly that was like when i like really got into all that stuff yeah definitely yeah i remember uh generation x that was that was definitely a really good book yeah i guess you know i mean it, i think it's a perfect segue you you mentioned uh angsty teens and uh how that kind of inspired you a little bit leading into you writing about you know your high school experience um when i met you the first time it was at uh spx in 2014 and one of the books that i picked up from you was um mad town high which i which i'm pretty sure is the book you're referring to um yeah. so yeah can you can you tell us a little bit about uh that series yeah sure um so i wrote mad town high um i think it was between like 2012 and 2013 um and it was like the first and I, so I published it as a series of five mini comics, um, and each episode um, loosely followed a year of high school. But since it was five years, it, I guess it spread out the four years over the five comics. Um, so it starts with the main character, you know, starting high school in this new school after you know changing schools all the way through her graduation, and it was pretty much like I call it semi autobiographical, but like pretty closely experienced as a high school student in New Jersey. Um, so it's just about like, yeah, the, the late nineties, early two thousands, like suburban public high school. Um, but I guess one of the twists is that like my town was predominantly white and I was black and like some of the racial issues that came up as a result of that. Not, and as well as just like typical high school stuff around like, you know, relationships and class and teachers and, you know, friendships and all that sort of stuff. So um, it had like a very like, you know, I think about like Freaks and Geeks, which is a show that I really liked. It had like kind of that feel, but also with like some discussion of more like certain social issues and issues as they apply to like, yeah, identity and race. Yeah, and that, um, number one, I mean, I think those are, are themes that obviously, you know, appear throughout your work, but I, I did really like that about that because on one hand, you know, there, there were these autobiographical stories, um, but you also didn't shy away from, from you know, race and the way that that played into your, your experience in high school. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, yeah. No, I, I think it's it's something that, like, I've been you know, exploring in various forms since I started, like, making comics more seriously. Like, I feel like, yeah, most of, I mean, with some exceptions, many of my comics, like, address, like, identity and, and race. Yeah. Um, you know, that's actually a question I had for you later on, but, like, since we, oh. you know, kind of touched on it, let's 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 speak about it now. Um, my, my question in regards to, um, you know, race and identity and uh just the social issues that that find their way into your book into your work 
Um, were those was was there a defining moment when you realized that it was important to you to to inject social issues into your work, or was this something that just kind of came about organically? So when I was in college, like that, like the period where I was like not as into comics, I was really into film and. My idea in college had been that I wanted to make films like either, you know, fiction or documentary or something like that. And I wanted to kind of either like research and explore or write my own stories about, um, yeah, like sociocultural sort of work. Um, and then once I like transitioned back to comics, I was like, I still wanted to explore a lot of those issues. And it was nice that I had the freedom to just really like make it on my own. Um, so I guess in one of my earlier comics that I made uh, called Watermelon and Other Things That Make Me Uncomfortable as a Black Person, which is a very long title, but that that came out in, I think, like 2011. And that was like my first, like, I guess that to be my first serious mini comic, where it was literally just like me writing short essays on various topics about race that I wanted to explore on some level. Um, and then from there on, it just like kind of, yeah, started dealing with it or addressing it in different ways. And so speaking of, of that, so of like kind of like talking about the social issues. So I was kind of digging around and doing a little stuff and noticed that you um, did like a web comic and talking about like black women in hair. And so mm-hmm. I guess what sparked that to kind of come about? Um, Cause I'm sure we all, many of us have, you know, stories that we could tell about hair and the experiences that happen now and continue to happen. So I guess what was kind of like maybe the event or the spark that led you to doing like the finding your roots? Sure. Um, so I, I guess the spark was like when I decided that I was going to stop, um, you know, straighten my hair and using like using chemical straighteners on my hair, um, which was like kind of a long process that as I'm sure for like many black women is deeply intertwined with both like cultural expectations mm-hmm. as well as like what their family members do, what is considered right. like professional appropriate or whatever. And like, so for my, for my mom, for instance, like she come from a line of people who like didn't deal with like curly hair. So she never knew how to help me take care of my hair when I was younger. So like the solution was like, all right, well, we all relax our hair. Like you'll, mm-hmm. you'll do that too. So by the time I got older and I started to like consider, like learn about that there was other options and that like, I didn't want to, you know, keep doing this. Um, I started just thinking about putting it in comic form. Cause I was like, even if like the specifics of my situation don't apply to other people, like I feel like there's enough in it that like people will be able to get something from right. it. Um, and so that was kind of my, my reasoning for it. Yeah. And like you said, I think even if like you maybe not experienced it personally, like some of the instances that you, you know, you speak about. So like there's a a scene where you, you know, someone asked to touch your hair and, you know, like, so the person who asked and the person who's being asked, like, can probably speak to that and think about like, yeah, it's like, this is what I think about when people ask me, can they touch my hair? So I think Mm -hmm. definitely, like you said, you don't have to necessarily be the actual person that's it's going through but the actual you know on the other side of it i think both people can get something or gain something from that experience exactly and i feel like i've had people from other you know uh racial backgrounds ethnic backgrounds who have said oh well i've had experienced something similar in my culture but it just is like different in this way you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so that's cool to see how yeah it could it can translate or how it can just keep like make people more informed about certain things that they might not feel comfortable like 
openly having a discussion about. Right, right. Hmm. To that to that end, um, have you had any experiences where I guess somebody expressed um, somebody who had been maybe ignorant to to you know your experience or the experience of Black women or Black people? Have you ever had an experience where you know somebody came back and voiced that they had learned something from your work? Um, definitely. Um, I mean, I think this was definitely. This is one example of that. I had a friend who was white who said she hadn't realized that, like, you know, touching somebody's hair without asking him was not okay. And I was like, well, I'm glad, like, you know, that this was the the thing that led to her, like, figuring that out. And, you know, I think it's 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 tricky. I think it's also it's particularly hard right now, I think, in our in our culture, because there's so much uh, new dialogue happening um, that there's not necessarily any guidelines for having a lot of these discussions. Mm. Um, so if comics can serve in some way to like, you know, facilitate some of those discussions, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm all for it, you know? So yeah, that, that would be an example of that. Cool. And I, I think that that's a really, really important point. Um, I've like for a long time just found, you know, being a creative person myself that, there is something about how, um, you know, a lot of these conversations that kind of break down and fall apart when we try to have them with people, you know, of various backgrounds in just public discourse, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes easier to, uh, to reach people who have an open mind, you know, sometimes easier to reach people um, who are open-minded through creative means. And I think that, um, Comics are definitely great for that. What is it mm-hmm. for you about comics that um that re- you know what I mean like like what do you find about the the medium that makes them a good vehicle to get these ideas across? I think because of the way um just that the um the medium is set up in general where you have to like be very economical with your words mm. um and very like also with also keeping in mind how you want to you know, portray something visually. I think it's a really great like way of communicating like often difficult ideas. So, um, yeah, I I mean, and that's essentially like what it's done for me. So I'm sure like if if it's helped me in some ways, it's, it's helped other people. Um, you know, even when I was in college, like I used to like make study guides by making like comics about things because it allowed me to like break down the main components of whatever I needed to learn. And then it kept me engaged with like visuals. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the best example I can give. But I think it really does force both like the creator and the reader to really think about what the essence of of the message is. So I'm always interested to know the the uh, the writing process you know how how do you get through that you know like do you go through multiple drafts do you know exactly what you're going to write like how are they walk me through your writing process sure um so i i would say that it it, it differs a little bit depending on like what type of comic it is so um, for instance, like if I'm doing a comic for um, like a nonfiction comic, like something I would do for the nib, the process would be a little bit different than like, um, I don't know, like an autobio comic or like a fictional comic. Um, so for the first ones, for like the nonfiction, um, a lot of it is really spent on doing research and like 
making sure all of that information is correct, like fact and like fact checking with the editors. Um, and then like with those, like, I don't want to have, it's like hard because super biased and have an agenda where you're like essentially writing something to prove the thing you already believed in. But like, I usually like for a nonfiction thing, I would choose a topic that I'm exploring more like writing an essay. And then I find a way to like, portray it visually so that does usually require like you know an outline and then like multiple multiple drafts um and with the nonfiction, usually i'll work with an editor so that's i, I find that to be really helpful i mean it, i haven't had any like negative editorial experiences yet um and then for should i talk about like the um like autobio ones too absolutely okay sure um Okay, so yeah, it, the autobio is like, I don't know. Um, one thing I will say is that I'm starting to transition more into fiction, and the reason I say that is because, like, especially like having been having been through some difficult stuff, like, the more I do it, the less I want to be super honest about what I'm like dealing with, like, and so I understand now why people fictionalize things. It's because you, in a sense, can like be a lot more open about things but it's not quote unquote you <laughs> so right, right. you know it's like ah oh, now i understand why everybody does that um <laughs> but but you know autobio i think is really about editing like that's what i i always say when people say like what makes like something that's a memoir autobio good i i feel like a lot of it is like everybody has a story to tell that has the contains like multiple details it's just like what are you going to choose to focus on and how are you going to edit that down so that like someone else should care. Um, and I think that's like the real, the real challenge of doing like, um, something like that. So yeah, I always do like multiple drafts. Um, I've historically written scripts. Um, and I think it's just cause I'm coming also from like a film back, like a film related background. Um, but it, it does, it does depend. Like more recently I've been writing a lot, much more looser scripts. Um, and with ghost stories, I didn't fully write scripts for all of them. It was kind of like my writing process was actually pretty all over the place for ghost stories. So a little unconventional for me. Awesome. Cool. Um, you know, being that you just mentioned ghost stories, um, let, let's, let's talk about ghost stories a little bit. Um, you know, for anyone who isn't familiar with it, um, tell us a little bit about it and also how it's evolved because I know it had a previous incarnation and then you reworked them, some things and added to it. Yeah. So um, Ghost Stories is um, my short story collection that just came out um, from Rosarium um, this January. And so it's a collection of three short stories. Um, the first two stories are Ghost and Wallpaper. Um, and both of those were originally self-published as um, mini comics. Um, and then the third story makers was something that I wrote to round out the, the book. Um, so ghost, the ghost, which was, um, the first story in the book. Um, like I said, I originally published it in 2015. Um, and so that the, the process for that story was, was kind of, um, well, actually, let me take a step. <laughs> so the book is called Ghost Stories, but it's not literal ghost stories, just to clear up any misconceptions. Right. It's more about, like, figurative, like, ghost ghost uh, stories, hauntings. Um, and so each story figures, uh, like, has some sort of haunting 
um, some sort of ghost in it, but, um, yeah, they're not literal and, and all three stories tie together, um, in some way. Um, so yeah, ghost stories, uh, ghost, sorry, ghost was written in 2015. That's the first story. Um, and it was not a linear writing process. It was something cause the topic is kind of heavy. It was something that like was, took me a long time to write because it was just like hard to write. But, um, yeah, you know, once that was out and into the world, um, Bill Campbell from Rosarium, um, he picked it up and he thought he wanted it to get more, um, distribution and more of an audience. So he proposed like making a collection, um, and that was a few years ago. So from there, you know, I just worked to finish up the collection. Right. And, um, you know, we were talking before the show. I don't, there's so much I want to speak about, about, um, the book, but I also don't want to, uh, I, I think that readers should come to it fresh and I don't want to, you know, give away mm -hmm. a lot about it, but I will say that like you, like, as you mentioned, you definitely deal with some very, um, very heavy subjects and, um, you know, I think you do it really well. And I think the way that it's done, um, the, the lens that you tell it through is, is very much your own. And I think that when some of those subjects are dealt with in other, you know, in other mediums or other writings, um, they're not always, uh, handled with care. Um, and I think that that was one thing that really stood out, um, in your work, but also just, uh, the way that you, we're able to weave these like these three narratives um together you know through the through the whole idea of, of ghost stories um which as you mentioned isn't like a literal ghost story i just thought that it was, it was really well done and it was really kind of masterful storytelling um so did you uh, i know you had you had published um them previously and that you've um reworked them with with rosarium but like that that creative process that you brought to the book um, how, how long did that take you? Sure. First of all, thank you for saying that about the book. That's really nice of you. Um, it, it took, I mean, so I, I started the book in 2015, like beginning of 2015. Um, and I knew that I wanted to, this was after like months of like not being in a creative rut where I was like, maybe I should stop making comics. Like I was in deal. It was like a, a rough patch. And, um, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to change up my tools a little bit, like start writing some short stories. We'll see what happens. Um, and so I wanted to, to do something around this idea of, um, ghost. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I wrote a bunch of sh uh, short stories, and then like later on here, I like sh I showed them to like a comics working group that I met up with in Brooklyn, um, like every week or every other week, um, and they they said that they liked it, but they felt like that there was something that I was wanting to address that I was like actively not addressing and I was like huh that's interesting so like I look at it and then I like threw out like most of the book and I started over again um and then but instead of writing a, I'm just gonna start writing I don't know where the story's gonna take me we'll see what happens so um you know for the first story and again I don't want to spoil it too much but for this first story there is like um the main character like has this chance to meet um, three of her dead idols. Um, and 
didn't even fully know who those idols were going to be until as I like as I was writing them. Um, and then I kind of worked in some of the other shorter story elements as it was coming. But like the, again, that was a fluke because usually I, I plan a lot more than I did with with that story. Would you say that um, like this particular work is maybe I guess was kind of like therapeutic in a way? Um, being that you're like dealing with various, you know, topics and, you know, speaking about, you know, idols and those who you admire and so forth in a way, does it, does it come off as therapeutic as all at all or not so much? Absolutely. Um, and I, I think on some level, like doing autobiocomics has always served as that it's been like an outlet to express, you know, certain feelings or like, yeah, to explore certain issues. Um, and this one is no different. And like, you know, I don't, again, like, I don't want to spoil it, but it does deal with the issue of, of sexual assault, which is a heavy topic. It's something that, you know, again, is something that, especially in the, in the past, like few months, we're talking about a lot more in general mm -hmm, with the right. Me Too movement and all of that. But I wrote this years before that. So, like, when I was writing it, I kept thinking, like, oh, this is going to be a mistake. This is going to ruin my career. Like, nobody's going to want to buy this. Like, but I, I felt like I have to do it because I was like, I need, I feel like I have to get this off my chest. Like, regardless of what happens with it, it's just something that I need to do. And luckily, you know, even before this book came out and I just had the mini comic, it, well, it did find, like, it did find um, an audience and it did it did uh, get to some of the people who I felt like needed that due to having similar experiences or whatever. And those people often would reach out to me. So that's when I knew I was like, okay, so like I did, I did something like to help someone beyond myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's interesting how things have a way of like coming back, you know, like, although at the time we weren't talking about it, but now and how this becomes very relevant, it can be, you know, even said and discussed even like right now. So mm -hmm. it's like it never the relevancy never really goes away. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Right. Which, which is, is sad, you know, that, yeah. that the relevancy hasn't gone away. But I, I, I was just going to say that, um, you know, and that kind of touches on what we were speaking about earlier about how art is a perfect way to to tackle you know some of the really difficult you know things in our world and um i'm glad that you despite your initial you know fears and doubts about putting it out that you saw it through because i do think like you mentioned that's it's really important for a lot of people um and a lot of people can learn from it and also um you're able to find a a balance as well like of just uh really engaging storytelling too so i always find that like with with work that um you know handles difficult subjects that engaging storytelling is always the the difference you know what i mean like it, it can really allow people a, a doorway in and kind of like let down their their defenses yeah i know i know what you mean um and i think that like even if you don't i mean i guess this is going Going back to that idea of like relatability, like even if you haven't had specific personal experiences that you're seeing in, you know, the comic that you're reading, it doesn't mean that you can't identify with the basic emotions around it, whether it's like sadness, grief, like loneliness, like happy, like all sorts of things that like people, everybody experiences just from, from, you know, being a human being. Um, so I think that's like what I was hoping to do with this. I'm like, even if somebody hasn't gone through this, like they, 
I'm so I'm sure somebody knows what it's like to like lose yourself at some point and then have to try to like get it back. So, yeah. Right. And then there's just the whole, the whole theme of empathy, which I feel like the last, um, I want to say that the last four episodes of Black Comics Chat has been very much a recurring theme. And um, I think that's one of the things that's so challenging about the times that we're in is that there are a lot of people who are, you know, out there calling for empathy and, and, and championing it. And then, you know, you have this whole other group of people that are just anti-empathy and, um, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I think, I think work like this, uh, really, like I said, it's it, like you said, it's universal and it can, it can impact people. Um, and, you know, you kept the focus on, like I, I kind of alluded to before, you kind of kept the focus on the internal process and, and, and healing and, you know what I mean, and the internal dialogue that you had as opposed to the act. And I think that that's um, also very important. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of, because I didn't want to make it like, I didn't see the point of in sensationalizing anything. Like, I feel like, often with like you know issues around survivors like people really need to know like the daily stuff that people deal with to cope with trauma it's not just like the event it's like everything after following it and like how you you know get through the day how you like deal with like certain fears and things that reoccur so that's kind of what i i hope to do and i'm sure that if i were like to ever write like not that this is the plan but if i were to ever make like a epilogue to it i'm sure like the, my way of discussing it would be even different since i wrote that like about three years ago so yeah you know i, I had uh mentioned earlier that you know I, I had met you at spx and i know that um you're very much like a, a regular at a, a lot of the small press shows um so talk to us a little bit about like the importance of of some of those shows like obviously in the times wherein everyone is familiar, even people who don't read comics are familiar with like New York Comic Con and some of the larger cons. Um, but especially with what we're speaking about, like with with works like Ghost Stories, um, and and you know just work that it, that is so uh, so important. You know, like what is the what is the uh, what are the strengths of like the small press shows and like you know tell tell people who might not necessarily frequent those shows why they should. Sure. Um, so. I think, I mean, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but like, I'm all about the indie small press stuff. Um, like when I, when I got back into comics in college, one thing that made me feel like I had the opportunity to tell my own stories was reading indie comics where I'm like, oh, people can write about like the, the ins and outs of their daily life. They can write about like specific cultures, all these things that are not being covered in mainstream comics. Like people are doing that. And then like my next step is, was like, but how, how do they do that? Like, what are the steps that they take to be, to, you know, to produce their work, um, and then to, to get it out into the world and then to like kind of build a, a community and, and readership. So that's kind of what I was, I tried to figure out over the, the next few years as I was like learning to make comics. Um, and my first show that I went to was the alternative press expo, which was in San Francisco. So like, I think my first show was in like, I went to it was like 2007 or 2008 and just to like check it out I just like showed up with a backpack of like you know poorly stapled like comics and just kind of walked around like handed them out to some people and just like asked people questions about what they were up to 
And it was at those shows where I discovered some of the people who are now like very big and very successful. And they started out like just making hand stapled, like, you know, mini comics. Um, and I think that was what I liked is that like just seeing the diversity of stories that were being told. That being said, like when I was starting off, like I didn't see a lot of faces like mine, like it still was predominantly white and not saying that, that it, you know, things are changing, but still like, you know, there's still a lot of issues around diversity in indie comics, but I do feel like indie is, is often very welcoming in terms of the types of stories um, that they, you know, welcome and encourage. Um, but yeah, I started, my first show was eighth. And then when I moved back, I was living in California at the time when I moved back to the East, started going to shows on the East coast. So, um, shows like my Massachusetts independent comics, um, expo. Um, I started going to SPX in Maryland, which I've been to, I think every year since 2011. Um, and it's great just not only to like have a show to like debut comics at or sell comics at, but it's these are some of the shows where you're going to find stuff that you'll never find anywhere else, just partially because the indie distro system is so fragmented in this country that a lot of great stuff isn't getting into the hands of people who need them. Mm. And then the other thing is, like, just building, to know, you know, fellow creators, publishers, editors, et cetera, and just, like, building those relationships over time. And that's how people end up, you know, working together and finding out about stuff. You know, uh, once again, you, you, uh, it's funny because like, it's maybe we're, we're in sync, but that was actually another one of my questions was going to be like, you know, representation at, in, um, in small press and some of these indie shows. Um, do you feel, I guess, like what, what have your experiences been? Obviously it seems like pretty, um, pretty positive, but, um, how do you feel about, you know, that, do you feel like steps are being taken, um, intentionally to try to, uh, increase the range of representation at some of these shows? Uh, definitely. And like I said, like, you know, when I, when I was first um, getting into indie comics, like there's only a handful of, of people of color that I would see like regularly at these shows. And we all like knew each other and, and um, we were all aware of, you know, some of the diversity issues. <laughs> seeing people but like beyond that it's like there's not a lot of people telling stories cultures like like you know who are the gatekeepers hey what's up everyone this is marcus uh at this point in the show we had a few technical difficulties uh wit got disconnected but we were eventually able to get her back on the line are you um are you without your headphones now yeah Okay. At the very least, we can. Oh, that's you sound great. Yeah. Okay. I guess if it's not broke, we we can just roll with it. Okay. Okay. Um. So uh, let let's just rewind a little bit. Um. I think the last the last thing that you were speaking about. Um. What was the last thing? We, where did we leave off? Oh. Oh. I think we were talking about. Um. Oh. It, help uh, me out, Tony. What What was the last thing we were? <laughs> It was something really. Oh, she was getting deep. She getting deep. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were like really getting deep on something. Yeah, I, I think it was talking about like um, we're talking about diversity and inclusivity and like yes, 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 yes. And we and we and I I think the last thing I had asked you was about um you know do you feel that like steps are being taken in order to 
And and then like we lost a lot of what you were saying, but I heard enough to know that it was really good. Okay, well I'll see what I can, <laughs> what I can. Uh, Doesn't remember, have to be word but, uh, for word, but you know. Yeah, sure. And I was just saying that, like you know, when I when I got into things, like there there weren't a lot of people of color that were visible in indie comics, and like. But that, that I mean, that's not to say that, that people of color were there. Like, people of color have always been in comics. It's just that they were never the ones who were necessarily getting the attention or the oppor- opportunities to do certain to do certain things. So, like, right. you know, nowadays when we, when we act like there's all of a sudden this explosion of people of color making comics, I feel mm. like they've probably always been there. It's just that, like, they haven't been always uh, been the ones who've been showcased. Um, and, and like I was saying... I think there's often this issue of like gatekeepers, like who decides, like or gatekeepers and tastemakers who makes the decisions about who should get published um, and who, you know, what markets they'd be selling comics to, things like that. So I think that, I think things are changing and going in a much better direction, but I still think that it's something that there's still a lot of rough patches because we're trying to figure things out. And the example right before I, was, I, I got cut off that I wanted to say was like this whole um, discussion that I've been seeing a lot recently and, and been part of about um, Robert Crumb, who is um, a very well-known um, cartoonist um, who has been very influential. In, in, um, and there's been a lot of debate recently about some of the imagery, his, um, his imagery of black people. And, you know, the, things are getting really heated now over discussions like that the fact that we're actually in those discussions i think is like maybe a sign that we're moving in a good direction that people can actually have these discussions yeah no absolutely and i i think i mean honestly that's a it's a perfect example because it's a medium that um has so much limitless potential but i i think in a lot of ways you're limiting that potential when um you know certain vo- when all voices aren't allowed in. And I think that was like a really good point. I think it needs to be on a t-shirt or something. The idea that, um, you know, the quote unquote explosion of, um, you know, black creators or creators of color is, it's not new, you know what I mean? It's just a matter of when, you know, people with opinions and people with a voice choose to see and acknowledge the people who have been grinding for years. And I think that that should also be said of people in the media like especially comics journalism comics press like there's there's always been like just like you guys there's been people who have focused on the creators of color and that's not something that's necessarily new like people like you guys have always have been there for a long time promoting you know creators that you think need more of uh, visibility really recently that now like the greater mainstream comics you know media as uh covering diversity you know almost even as an afterthought right well actually you know uh speaking of comics media and journalists we just had leo join us on the show so that's a smooth segue right there leo you there (laughs) marcus can you hear me yeah yeah i can hear you you can hear me? All right. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I got my road rig over here. That's why I wasn't sure. Usually what I do is I wait until like a really cool time to like cut into the chat and act mad cash. It's then you called me out big time. I know, man. I, I, I <laughs> we've had some Russian meddling tonight, so we just wanted to make sure it was you. So yeah. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. That, that's the real deal. I've known Leo for a long time. That, that That's him. 
Can't take no chances. <laughs> no, I've... yeah, no. <clears throat> for real. No, um, yo, uh, yeah, what's, what's up, y'all? Hey, wit, uh, happy to make it. What's going on? Yeah, we were, we were just um speaking about um you know like like small press shows and the 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 and representation in them like you know and you know the 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 slow climb <laughs> towards uh, more more quality representation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we, I mean, we we definitely, I think we sort of live and thrive in that niche. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting though, right? Because like some of the, some of the way that, that it works out is that there are individuals who come from small press to kind of like bust out and go crazy and get big. Right. And then there are the ones that do that and like bring, bring the family along. And then there are the ones mm -hmm. that do that, that don't bring the family along. <laughs> you know, the ones that just kind of, kind of get out there, get, make their moves. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's like, it's like champagne and, and deleting phone numbers. Um, mm -hmm. But but yeah, I think I think I think Black Comic Chat has always been squarely in the space of like you know each one raise each other up, right? Yeah, yeah, most absolutely, of. absolutely. Yeah, that's us. That's us. Cool. That's cool. not a mess. Serious. I'm not subbing anybody specifically. But, no, no. <laughs> <by the> <laughs> it's a larger discussion. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I think it's not mentality in general for comics. I feel like you know it's good to support other you know, other people in the industry um, and try to lift other people up who don't, who, who might not have as many opportunities to, you know, get their work out there, things like that. And um, I think that's also, I'm, you know, interested in editing and trying to get other people's work in different ways. I, I also value that. Yeah, so um, can you can you speak about that a little bit about your your work in editing, um, and also just like you know how it's informed your own work or how how your own work has grown, you know, throughout that process. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've I um, I my first anthology that I edited was um, this this uh, book that came out in two thousand fourteen called Subcultures, um, and I worked with Dan Mazer who. He is, um, he's a cartoonist. He has a small press in Boston called Ninth Art Press um, and also is an organizer for the show Mice. Um, and when I was living in Boston, we became friends and he actually published my first short story in one of like his anthologies. Um, so after we got to like know each other better, he asked me if I wanted to be a guest editor for like the next anthology they were going to do and that I could pick the topic. Um, so I, I decided to do subcultures because... Um, I have a background, like, for col in college, I went to school for anthropology, uh, or I, I majored in anthropology. Um, so, like, the idea of culture has always been something that's really interesting to me. And I thought, like, com like an anthology is a great idea, a great way to, like, to make comics about various different subcultures, whether they're ones you belong or interested in, like, you want to explore in a more, like, journalistic sort of way. Um, so that was our first anthology that came out um, in 2014. And just from there on, like, I've just... You know, I've been trying to involve myself in different editing projects, um, both like, you know, publicly and, and behind the scenes. So um, it's something that I want to, you know, continue to do um, and to get better at. Cool. cool. Before I forget, um, we had a we had a few questions from the audience, but um, one was from, you know, friend of the show and loyal listener, D.Y. Princess. Um, she wants to know what part of New Jersey you're from. 
from uh, so I'm from northern New Jersey, um, Madison, New Jersey. It's like north central Jersey. It's um, it's not very exciting, but I do, it does you know hold a special place in my heart, and I will vigorously defend New Jersey against anyone who makes fun of it. So there's that. Hey, you know what? With, with black folks, sometimes it's okay for things to not be too exciting. Sometimes when, when things are exciting, you know, trouble happens. Mm-hmm. So, so it's all good. Yes, exciting can be good though. Still, mm-hmm. or not not exciting um, can be good at the same time. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Agreed. Yeah. Um. All right. So, um. I guess as we kind of transition into the chat part of the show. Um, my next question, question for you, Wit, is, um, you know, what is, uh, what is, what is, what works of, you know, comic fiction in the last couple of years have like impacted you the most? Like, what are some of your favorite stories you've read recently? It could be from anyone. Oh man. Um, ah, you know, like when, when someone asks you like what your favorite, like, like so, book or movie is, and you're just yeah. like, I have so many, but I can't think of any. Um, huh. just just the I mean, first one that pops in your mind. It was it's not and you know anything that you don't mention. It's not a slight against it. You know just just whatever comes to mind. Uh, sure. Um, I've been really enjoying a lot of work from um. I'll just name a press, I guess. Uh, Koyama Press, um, run by Annie Koyama. She's based in Toronto. Um, she like th- that press got um in some ways made a name for itself by publishing, you know, early stuff by, you know, Michael DeForge and others. Um, and recently they've just really been like diversifying and like publishing just like so much beautiful work. Like one, one uh, book I can think of, um, and this isn't actually fiction, it's autobio, but I feel like this is a, an example of autobio done really well is, uh, this, um, book called Sunburning by an artist named Kyler Roberts. Um, and it's about her um, struggles with mental illness as well as being a mom um, and, like, just the, the ins and outs of, like, your know, marriage and raising kids and all imagining that while having a mood disorder. I just found it to be, like, you know, taking stuff that can be kind of dark and depressing, and which, like, the way she writes is so funny and, like, so dry. Like, I, I was like, that's a great example of taking, like, a heavy topic and, like, dealing with it in a way that's kind of, that's really, um, it's funny. Yeah. Um, and given, you know, your background in film, like what are, what movies have, uh, have kind of moved you in the recent years? Um, well, one thing I've been liking recently, just like even on Netflix is like, they're doing a lot of docuseries, um, and a lot of like nonfiction type of stuff. So I've really been enjoying a lot of the documentaries on there. Um, so are you thinking everything- about Strong Island specifically? Because Strong Island is amazing. I, I haven't seen Strong Island, but I've heard a lot about it, and I, I know I need to, I need to see it. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Is is that up on Netflix? Yeah, it's a Netflix original. I mean, it's Netflix funded or uh, promoted or whatever. Yeah, I was thinking of like, for instance, the series um, Dirty Money, or even uh, Wild Wild Country, or Icarus. Like a lot of the stuff I'm seeing coming from them, I just think it's like. It's really strong reporting, and I think also given like the, everything that's going on politically, like there's a need now for like really good like nonfiction storytelling. Mm. Yeah, and people are rising to the occasion, you know. Oh, and also, um, if I if I can think of one like fiction um, 
fictional uh, movie that I've seen recently that I liked was uh, Lady Bird, which was like nominated for an Oscar this year. Um, Greta Gerwig, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've always liked Greta Gerwig. I liked Frances Ha, um, and I just thought it was a really nice, like, sweet coming of age story. That I don't know. I was I went to high school during that those like exact years, so oh, I was what? like, yep, right. Yeah, I heard that. I heard from you know people that people that who um you know it lines up with their timeline that it really impacted them i haven't seen it yet but i've heard good things yeah i think it was cool just the way you explore the relationship between the mom and the daughter and how like you know you can be you know bickering with your mom one moment and then like you know super close the next and it's just like the complex relationship you can have with your parents so i like to I always told myself I was going to write a book about my relationship with my parents. I just haven't been able to write. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what, what's everyone else been reading? What about you, Tony? Actually, uh, I've been reading Mr. Miracle by Tom King and oh, it's amazing. I was very shocked by this. Um, I actually did it for, for another podcast that was on, on, on Monday. And, um, yeah, the, I think it's the first seven books are out. Um, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but if you're a fan of Tom King, this is a this is a story um, that 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 amazing that's amazing. Um, really gets into the mythos of the new gods and Mr. Miracle in particular, um, and it's written in in such a way that I believe deals with um, PTSD of Mr. Miracle. And, and his childhood. Um, again, that's my theory. But um, if you ever if you get a chance, uh, I would say either pick up series or wait until the uh, it, it hits uh, paperback um, and pick it up then. But I that's something that I would absolutely recommend. And I don't normally read DC, but this 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 is a good one. Yeah, I mean Tom King is is pretty much everything he does. You know, turns to gold. He's he's really been putting in work as a writer. So I'll definitely have to check that out. Cool. What about you, Grace? I know you've been busy, uh, but have you had, had any time to, to read anything? You about? know, so outside of the stuff that, like, I have to read for my mm-hmm. dissertation, um, so on a the comic side, or kind of kind of comic side, so Jerome Walford's Daniel's Pride. So when I met him oh. in um, January, I, I bought the book, and I was like, you know what? Let me just, like, tackle this and get going into it and, and, you know, get started with it. So I've actually been enjoying it so far. I'm about almost halfway through it. So that's kind of like been my leisure reading. And then also um, Saga, I've been getting back into that because that's one that I've really been keeping up with. That's a non-Marvel DC that I yeah. um, one of my friends got me onto. So uh, those are like the two things right now that are like non-school related that I'm reading outside of um, Tiffany Haddish's bio, The Last Black Unicorn. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's been on my reading list lately. All right, cool. I, on, a, on a scale of one to ten, how, how much has, uh, has Saga been messing you up? <laughs> so ten being, like, totally shitbag. Um, so I'm probably, like, on that eight, teetering into nine <laughs> very soon. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I guess it just but it depends just keeps, on what brings issue. me in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's good. No, saga's always saga's always good for that. Um, 
for me, I've been reading, you know, obviously, I think we're, we've all been excited by Black Panther. Um, right. And I pulled out, uh, I've been pulling out some of my old Black Panther books. So I, um, actually, before I even get to the old stuff, um, I've really been enjoying Evan Narcisse's, um, his uh, Rise of the Black Panther comic. You know, like, mm-hmm. like that's been really good. I don't know if you guys got to check it out, but it's it's cool because um he's uh it's obviously clearly like a, you know a retelling of the the early days of of T'Challa's rise of the Black Panther, which is in the title. Right. But um, you know, it's it's just really well done, and and Black Panther's been around for so long. I mean, starting way back from that '60s Fantastic Four issue, that um it's it's cool to see you know a modern black writer. Um, approach those early days in the story, you know, with a fresh perspective, and um, yeah, he's just doing a, he's doing a great job. The art is really cool, and I definitely recommend it. So that's cool. Yeah, and I also been uh, I, I pulled out my old uh, uh, Panthers Prey comics. That was a uh, oh wow yeah that was that was what, like nineteen ninety one or two. That was like back when Ooh. I was in high school. So that's uh, it's definitely that's a blast perfect. from the past. Definitely a throwback. Yeah. What is- what is Panther's Prey? I, I don't know. It was uh so it was a Black Panther uh series cuz when, when I was a kid, you know, I always loved Black Panther, but it's like, you know, there was never any steady run of it. You know, it was almost like yeah. there would be a mini series here and there would be a mini series there. So this was like kind of like when back when they would put out like 48 page um, you know, paperback books. They weren't like huge trade paperbacks and it was like a four-part series. Um so it was written by by Don McGregor. Um, who wrote a lot of the old Black Panther comics, and oh, it was a cool series. Like the art was was cool. It had a more um, painterly look than most comics, most newsprint comics of the time, and it was just a it was a cool book. Yeah, that's about it. I've been reading that. I've been reading a lot of Lion Forge. I've been catching up on my Lion Forge. Um, of course, mm-hmm. of course. Same, yeah, same here. Yeah, same. The stack, the stacks are there, sitting waiting on me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the great thing is like my at my comic book shop, they know to put anything Lion Forge in my box, you know, um, including right. Puerto Rico strong. Ah. And, uh, which I, which I just got in the mail. Yay. Yes. Yes. Page 70. If you want to skip, skip forward to me. <laughs> totally. totally like, look, <laughs> bro, you read everything afterwards. About one through 69, just go to 70. <laughs> just read my story first. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah, no, Tony, Tony, big, big yourself up, man. Talk about uh For sure. How, how does it feel, first of all, to see it in print <laughs> and know that everyone is, is reading it? You know what? I can't. I, I can't even really quantify how many people have read this book. Um, so it, it feels amazing, but I, I kind of just I, I'm distancing myself right. from this type of feeling because I don't I don't really know what that's like. Um, even yes, I, I've written two books, but I know that this book alone will be read by more people than I would have ever imagined. But it it feels really really good, and and it also. It, it kind of makes me a little emotional uh, a bit because I know what it means. Mm. So, um, I hate I mean, to- Tony, Tony, let's be honest. Yeah. It's very possible that they're all skipping your story. Yeah. Like, that's also very possible, too. No, no, no. Oh, no, that's true. No, no, he's right. No, 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 no. no. Absolutely right. Absolutely. I refuse to. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, yo, dude, I'm yanking you. I'm yanking. Yeah, you. I know, I know, but I, I'm, I'm about that too. Like, the writer is like totally reading your shit. Yeah, yeah don't, so, don't mess with an artist, man. Artists right. have got that that voice in the back of our head. What I was going to say was, um, when I was in Anaheim, I, I ran into a friend of mine who's Puerto Rican, and she was asking me about the book, and I had a copy, 
And um, I showed her. She wanted to actually just read my story. She, it was in the mail. Um, she started crying. And I was just like, I, I can't deal with this right now. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> she had family yeah. in the, she has family in Puerto Rico too. And just her looking at her flip through the pages, not just of my story, but of the, the entire book, it's very emotional for some people. And I, it's something I, I didn't mm-hmm. expect right away. I mean, I knew, I knew that it can be emotional. I did read most of the book. It's a big book. I didn't get to read all of it. I'm almost at the end, but it's, it's can be emotional. And, and I just, it's, it's hard to really fathom that. So, but it, I, at, in general, I, it's, it's a, it's a good feeling. <clears throat> yeah. And just for anyone who happens to be listening, I mean, I'm sure our audience, everybody knows, but just in case, um, you know, Puerto Rico strong is a, an anthology, um, it's, which is put out by Lion Forge comics and, um, all the proceeds of it go towards, you know, the much needed work of, um, you know, supporting the people of Puerto Rico in, uh, in recovery. Um, and, and it's just, it's brought together so many, uh, you know, incredible creators, you know, one of which is our, our own Tony. And, uh, it's really important. And definitely like, if you, if you haven't checked it out, please check it out. It's a way to get great art. You know, it's like a three, three for one, you get great, um, comics in general. Uh, you get, great comics from, you know, Latinx creators who, mm-hmm. despite what people might tell you that maybe there's not a lot of them, there are plenty in there. Oh, definitely. This book talented. definitely, definitely proves that. And I, and I will say our next show, we're, it is our next show, Mar- Marco Lopez, right. who was the person who brought this together, will be on Black Comics Chat to discuss this book. And I'm very excited to have him on our show. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And then the third part is you're, you're just supporting, you know, you're, you're giving more support to the people of Puerto Rico than right. the United States government, you know. Then chucked paper towels. <laughs> yeah. 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 Lion Forge has done more for Puerto Rico than, than 45. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So we, we won't even go, we won't even go down there. No, no, let's not go there. It's a safe space. It's a safe space. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So definitely check out Puerto Rico Strong. Um, and yeah, man, Leo, what what have you been getting into, Marcus? I've been what? Jesus Christ! I've been. I've been what have I been doing? <laughs> oh. All right, all right. What happened? You? Yeah. I've been gone. Right. So I've I've done too much. I've been I've been gone for an entire month. Um, I want. I although this isn't specifically a read. I want to first kind of like brag that I've seen. Sorry to bother you, which is, uh, you know. Oh. Uh, it's Collins' new. Uh, That's because you're Tessa's now. best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, me and Tessa are tight. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, no, I, I got to speak. I got to speak to to um, to Boots as well uh, a little bit, and that is like everybody's everybody's radar needs to be active in life for that shit. If they're not for some reason, that is like gonna be, I think, one of the year end's best, and it's absolutely amazing. I like. I cannot wait to pay money to go see it again. Like, I just cannot wait. Um, I think it drops in July. Uh, so that's coming up July 6th. July 6th. Oh, oh someone's waiting for it. <laughs> someone's yeah. waiting for it. It's on the list. It's on the list. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, no, it's so good. Um, but, you know, I, I was thinking about something, um, when we were talking about independent creators and such, and I realized that there was a comic that I haven't brought up on this chat before, which like everybody is to go check out. And it is a comic called Your Black Friend. Has anybody read it by Ben Passman? I've heard of it. I've mm. heard of it. Yeah. I mean, actually, somebody recommended to me this week. I need to go. 
to a it's a mini comic zine ish type of thing um i actually got it through like a zine box that i was like reviewing for black girl nerds mm-hmm. um but it is absolutely amazing. Ben Passmore is like a really, really like unique and wonderful creator who I feel like is going to kind of like, like it, like he's going to blow up like in maybe a year or two. He's kind of like just, just getting going. Let me see. I actually, I have a link where, where peeps can buy it. I'm going to throw it in the chat because it's, it's a fantastic book. The art is amazing. The, the, the content is provocative and uh and heartfelt and very well told even though it's like oh this is stuff like you know people have talked about forever um the kind of trope of being the black friend um but he explores it in a way that's just really really unique and interesting and wonderful um so i would man i would highly highly recommend that um and anything else that ben passmore is up to ben is a friend of mine actually um and he's he's doing great work and they're actually republishing my black friend in a um, collection, including his work from the nib. It's coming out this month, I think through oh, that's silver. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He's great. He's freaking great. Um, now do, do you want me, you want me to keep going? I've been gone for a month. Man, I've seen, I've seen him consume. So I like, I saw, I saw Spike Lee's Passover, which I really didn't like. I feel bad for not liking it. Um, and not just because uh, Spike Lee has been Spike Lee for a minute. Like we, I mean, like I love Spike Lee to death, even while there are things that he makes that I do not like. Um, this is a weird example because it's a, it's a Spike Lee film production of a stage play. It's the first time he's done that since Passing Strange. Interesting title comparison there as well. Passing Strange is my favorite musical of all time. Um, yep. I like I literally worshipped the fact that Spike Lee captured the last performance of that musical, um, and like I'm so grateful to him for doing that. And this is not a musical. Um, it's sort of like Waiting for Godot with like black folk, and I, that's kind of the most interesting thing I can say about it. It's directed and produced and and put together by a black woman, and I want to celebrate the works of black women. And I don't know if it's that Spike Lee maybe didn't exactly know how to capture this particular work, but I don't want to put lay all the blame on his feet. I particularly did not like it very much. Um, I feel feel very guilty and weird about that. Can we talk about what it's like to feel guilty when like you don't like something by like a uh, creator of color that you like? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Like that's okay, right? We don't have to love it all. Like we have to be yeah. like, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was definitely a, a, a specific example of of when that happened, and I felt bad about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, I had a couple uh, of things that watched in movies that I feel like that. So. Oh, wait, oh man! Can I, can I guess one of them? Can I guess? Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, this is good. This is good. Yeah, please do, Marcus. What, what, what is that? Um, I'm I'm not talking about uh about American Gangster. What what was that? The earlier one that Russell Crowe and Denzel were in early oh together. You know what I'm talking about? That was a uh, which multiplicity? one? Is was that the title? No, that's the, isn't that the thing with Michael Keaton? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, that it was, was and right. that was funny. Yeah, that was funny. No, this one, this one, like Denzel was was in uh, an ex police officer that was wrongfully imprisoned in the future, and oh he was he was bionic for some reason. Oh, it, <laughs> what are you? I don't wait. I don't know this. I don't know this. What are you talking about? Oh, it sounds terrible. The title is escaping me, but it's it's definitely the movie that Denzel never mentions when. Was it virtuosity? Hold on, wait, wait, question, question, question. Are you talking about a movie where? The movie sucks, but Denzel is good, or like Denzel is actually bad in it. No, Denzel is not bad. I think with what he was given to work with, I 
I think that he did his damnedest. Interestingly enough, okay. I, I I think that he uh, was initially reluctant to even be in it. Mm. You know? <laughs> But it, it, it was some backstory, like, I think maybe his son was into sci-fi or something like that, and that was why he went along with it. Anyway, <laughs> we're, we're going on a long tangent. I know, <laughs> I didn't mean to hijack but, it but to, but to answer your question, that, that's not it, though. That's not the movie. Okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. But we're adding that to the list. Right, right. Yeah, are, are you going to answer Are you gonna answer the question, uh, Grace, or are you, you're not oh, going to put I, anyone in the list? I, I, I didn't know if you all wanted to guess anymore, so. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um... Uh, I don't know. He's uh, got is, it, is it fallen? Is it what now? Fallen? No. Please don't be okay. fallen. I, I like fallen. I know really? I think, think no, fallen's kind of weird. It was, I liked fallen, but it wasn't fallen, no. Mm. Can, we get, can we get like an era? Like, is it early? Is it late? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Recent? So late, ni- late 90s. Late 90s? Late 90s. Late 90s. Hmm. Oh. Um, oh, man. I feel like I feel like it's all love for me that's <laughs> the late nineties. So now, now I'm really curious. I'm very curious. <laughs> um, you might just have to tell us, Grace. I, I, I don't know. So he got so, game. Like I, it's never a fan. I love that movie oh. so much. I love that. I love he got game. Oh my god! What, what was it about it? I don't know. I just. It just, it, you know, I guess him playing this deadbeat dad just did not do it for me, and I just was not convinced with it. Oh, um, oh that know. sound, that Public Enemy soundtrack. Oh, I love he got game. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean the yeah, soundtrack, yes, but him and this movie, I was like, I, like it wasn't inspiring to me. It was not. I, I couldn't feel it. I, well, it was yeah. definitely. And maybe it was Ray Allen. You know, maybe it was Ray Allen. And I, I think that. Like- has to do with it too because he's not a great actor like he used to stick to basketball was there for the basketball am i remembering it wrong or does he have like a like a really unkempt fro in that yes you know, i remember that well he has hair that's kind of angering in that yeah the way that he's trying to like youthful it just doesn't work it just doesn't work makes you kind of watch you just want to watch white man can't jump after that right <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the classics. I still love that movie. I don't give a shit. <laughs> love that, love that. And I listen to Jimmy. Um, anyway, all right. So, what else? Are we, what, are, what are we talking about? What? Um. Uh. Uh. uh yeah. Uh, reading stuff. Are we talking about reading, reading stuff? movies? Where? What do you? Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah. Like what other? What other? Like what's like the dopeness? I saw. I mean, I saw Ready Player One. Oh, okay. did you? Yeah. Did you like thumbs it? Up, thumbs down. I actually really liked it. And and look, you know what? Like, I, read, I read the book. I, the book is trash. Like, I hate the book. Really? <laughs> like, God damn it, Leo. I love the book. I hate the book. I, I think he's so obnoxious in the book. Like, he goes on these diatribes and he's like, well, you know, no one understands fucking, you know, uh, Rush the way I understand Rush or whatever. It's like, uh, shut up. Like, I, you don't have to prove all this shit to me. Like, he's so insecure. Um, but, like, he's positioning it as, like, some, you know, like a, like a paragon of, of, of virtuous knowledge. Um, but, like, in the movie, the, everything smoothed out. And, like, in the book, like, I, I don't, we can't spoil it. This book's already years old. But, like, in the book, a lot of it is, like, it's extended over a long period of time yeah. where it's, like, he goes into hiding and all this shit happens. None of that happens in the movie. It's all, like, happens at once, you know, which I think is great. I think it adds to, like, the motivation of the narrative. Um, Lena is just 
amazingly great in it. She looks like she could not be happier doing what she's doing than doing everything in that movie. Can I pause you just for one second? I I think that that is one, and this is not the movie's fault. This is Hollywood and the marketing machine. But I was a little bit annoyed because there was the initial trailer for the film, right? Yeah, I had no idea that Lena Waithe was in the film. And it was only when I saw the second trailer. And even in that one, they didn't prominently feature her. But it was one of those things where, like, my black people radar was like, oh, shoot, that was the back of Lena Waithe's head. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, okay. I, I, have a, I have a, like, what may be a meaningful response to that. Okay, all right, go for it. Okay, so in the book, yeah. and again, this is not a spoiler. The reason why I'm not considering this a spoiler, I'll explain in a moment. But in the book there's a big plot twist of the fact that Lena Waithe is, like, Lena Waithe's character is who she is. Um, and it's one of the things I hate about the book the most, because it's like, oh, my God, like, a black woman is a gamer is, like, a big part of it. Like, what? it blows his fucking mind. Wait, wait, wait. It was, like, the black unicorn? Uh... No, because he played, because he's, like, she's, like, the only, he's, the character that she plays in the virtual game world is, like, the only one that's, like, almost as good as he is. Yeah. And then when he finds out it's a black woman, he's, yeah. like, whoa, shit, really? Really? And in the movie, they they totally like quiet all that, and it's not a big moment, and it's not really a plot twist. And so at first, I was like, "How are they going to structure that?" But then a later movie poster showed H, who is the character she plays in it, as Lena Waithe. So it's like they're basically exposing that. It's not even a spoiler. It's like it's in the post. It's in this poster of just Lena Waithe in it. So what I was going to say is, I think that at first they were like hmm, should we not spoil Lena Waithe in this? Because in the book, it's an important plot twist. Right. And then later on, they were like, no, it's not. And we're, we made the movie where it's not a huge plot twist, so we'll just put it in. So then they featured her. So I think that I want to give them the benefit of the doubt with that. I think they had some confusion in early in development about that, whether they were deciding to do that or not. And then they were like, let's just go, Lena's great, let's just put her in front and make sure that that's not a, you know, there's no, there's no mystery about that. She's in it, she's prominent. One, watch the movie and figure out who she is in it. Um, so yeah, I think that's why. But I agree. I, I totally know where you're coming from, Marcus. And if you read the book, it probably pissed you off as much as it pissed me off. <laughs> um, but, uh, I just want to. I would want to reiterate. I love the book, which of course is not a surprise because we don't see it because I don't. Right, right, right. No, that's fine. Yeah, Tim is not on here. He probably loved it. Um, and uh, let me not just tell him like that. Um, but yeah, uh, the movie. I actually think it's it's really enjoyable, and it's. I think it's. I, it's not like it's not brilliant. It's not a masterpiece. It's a lot of CGI, but it has like some good points. I want to see it again and kind of think more about like the the su- the subtext in it. But it's like Steven Spielberg made something super accessible, and I think it's fine for people who don't play games, which is a very difficult thing to put together based on what the book is about. And it's really designed for that. There's an amazing thing in it that's like a reference to an old movie that you're you're all probably gonna love, and I'm not gonna spoil that. Um, it's good. It's I really, really, it really entertained me. It's not my type of movie at all, but I really liked it. Um, I did a review on BGN. I might, I might throw it in the, throw it in yeah, the hashtag. Tweet it, definitely tweet it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was great. And then, and I went to the after party too, and I got to sing Cherry Bomb with uh, along, uh, along uh, Joan Jett, who was on stage, which was a pretty cool moment. What? Yep. Yeah, we were just saying on Twitter that you are, you know, going to become the the in training uh, international man of mystery. You know, in tra- in training, <laughs> totally in training. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, wait, wait, are you there? I'm sorry, I feel like we're leaving you out of all our ramblings, but 
You still there? No, it's okay. I'm learning a lot. And it's <laughs> <so good. laughs> just, just, just elbow us out of the way, you know. And just, uh... Yeah, no, yeah. You could, you could literally just mush my face and just like start talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have to throw this in because it's been a minute since I've talked to Leo, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I'm just really surprised that he didn't throw in something that he normally has, or he normally normally does, unless maybe he's just like waiting for it. Uh -huh. Or like, are we just not getting it? Or what? What? What's you know? Like, we're not gonna mm. get one today from you. Yeah, yeah. On yeah. on, on, on yeah. Valiant, we're not gonna get one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Where's listen. The Valiant moment. All right, listen. Uh, <laughs> I am not. I am uh, today. I am not gonna communicate about Valiant because I've been traveling for a month and I haven't picked up any Valiant comics. But, but. I do want to say one thing about Valiant because I can't. There's, uh, you know, I'm going to know some something going on with Valiant. I want to call out Mel Kalo, um, who used to work at Boom Studios, who is now running uh, PR and publicist stuff for Valiant. Mel Kalo is a super dope dude. I am mega jealous that he is working for Valiant because I've been trying to work for Valiant, as you know, for a very long freaking time. Mel got the gig, but I applaud Mel, and Mel is a good people. Um, so check out Mel working at Valiant. Valiant is definitely. Um, hiring interesting folk to to run their stuff. I'm just gonna be like, yo, keep watch on uh, on Ninja K, and I'm getting a little annoyed because this Valiant web series still isn't out. Um, the Ninja Ninjak versus the Valiant universe. It's starting to get a little dusty. It's like, it's, all right, like they what have they had? Like they they've had at least two San Diego Comic Con features, I think by now. This shit is still not out. There's a comic book based on it. Valiant just put out. The show already, like I'm, sh I you know what? Even if it's bad, just put it at this point. You have to just put it out because, like, I mean, most people, the actors in it are going to age by the time you release it. So just, put, just put the shit out. Just um, put it out. Yeah, just put it out. Just put it out. Let's see what it looks like. I'm interested. I mean, like, I know we got. What am I crazy? Do we we have Green Ranger? Green Ranger is going to be Bloodshot. Did I see that? Am I hallucinating that? Anybody else see that? I'm not sure. The dude that played Green Ranger is going to be Bloodshot. No. I think I think that's I think he is. I think he's gonna be bloodshot. Let's see. All right, let's see bloodshot. Let's do it. Put it out, Valiant. You, you're on notice. <laughs> so so let me ask you this, as you know, because mm -hmm. I, I always you know do my little run through because you know you you encourage <laughs> me to do so. So th this the Shadow Man is that like worthy of my time? Like I I, I haven't picked up the new Shadow Man yet, though I love their quote-unquote old i mean it's not old it's like from a year ago um the previous uh, uh run that they had of shadow man like i think I've, i may have talked about it on black comics chat before shadow man's a great character uh i i'm excited to read the new one it's kind of you know i was actually in new orleans last week i probably should have read shadow man to have some kind of like weird moment with it you know uh but i have not i have not i've not no i haven't read the new shadow man yet um but uh i like the creators behind it and it's probably good and I feel like Shadow Man has kind of always been like a, a, a really important Valiant title. It, Shadow Man's been a title that like Valiant is like careful about who they put on it. And they're not just going to throw trash at that. Like it, they're going to be like, okay, this, we, we, this is about like issues and characters that are very, very squarely uh, centered, not only about people of color, but about like the culture behind like the historic culture. Right. Behind people of color. So they tend to be pretty uh, careful touch with it. Um, but I don't know. We'll have to like next episode of Black Comics Chat. We're gonna do a thorough Valiant minute, um, and I will be like, "All right, all right, all this right. is great. This is not good." You know, Matt Kent's Exo Man of War is still questionable. All that, all that good stuff. So this is like that's a this is a half-assed Valiant minute. 
Thank you for calling it out, Grace, though. I appreciate putting me on the spot. <laughs> you know, I have to. I have to. No, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate you. All right. Cool. The full ass value yeah. minute. Yeah. That'll definitely be a question at the panel. You know, what, what right, you're doing for right, Valiant. Of course. Um, <laughs> Yo, I feel like Tony's going to help me eventually get hired at Valiant. Like, <laughs> Tony's going to be a part of that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's got to happen. Okay. So, um, speaking about movies, so Ava's directing the New Gods. Yeah. Um, Ava. That's the big news. Yeah. Yeah. Have y'all seen Wrinkle in Time yet? Has this been discussed? Yes. Yes. I have. Twice. Yeah. Talk to I have. So I, I can definitely speak about it. Number one, as 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 a, a, a dad of a, a young girl, I am fully, you know, admit to uh, to crying in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> your, I eyes really, watered, I, your eyes watered a little. Yeah, bit. Nah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was it was a manly manly tear. Was it was it like was it like a is it like a dad heat seeking target movie? Is it like that kind of that kind of movie? Like. It's just, it's just, just getting no, right to it. Like, it's like, you know, I mean, a, a lot has been written about it. And um, I think, I think one thing that's definitely worth know, noting is that this is a kind of like our discussions about Watchmen in the, in the comic book genre. Um, this is, you know, source material that people have for a long time, you know, thought to be unfilmable. Um, I, I really enjoyed um, what they did with it. I enjoyed it uh also like in the spirit that it was made you know what i mean like i definitely mm -hmm. wasn't it was interesting because obviously it came out very shortly after um after black panther and there was a lot of discussion that you know understand why they did that or well no no not even not even like okay. there was just a lot of discussion about uh you know support and about you know like like they were mentioned in the same sentence pretty frequently right it, right, right exactly and I think, um, see, I did not approach it uh, like, you know, through the same lens because I, I knew what it was. And it actually, for me, really uh, kind of brought me back to like, I don't know, like what kid movies used to be like, like when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, it was visually stunning. I did read the book when I was when I was young, but for whatever reason, like, and it's not because I didn't enjoy it because I did like it but i just don't remember it like you know what i mean like i remember other books that i read of that era a little more vividly and um so i think i know a lot of people have issues because they're very close to the source material and i think i have a little bit more distance and and like yeah maybe i'm that i'm that in that mushy dad demographic that uh that is, is the target audience but um i don't know like i i, I did act, i enjoyed it i enjoyed it quite a bit what was, I, I mean, I think, yeah, but what was, I mean, I've heard that there's been some criticism of the film and my thought was like, maybe it was because of the timing of the release and how everybody was just going to automatically compare it to Black Panther, even though that doesn't make any sense, but you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I do think that that's, that's mixed in there. I do think that's a part of it. Yeah. Um, I think you should see it. And I, I think that, uh, like I said, it's you know i think watch it understanding that it, it is a kids movie um and the one thing i do remember about the book even though i don't remember it that vividly is that it was it was dense you know and mm -hmm. i think um you know anyone looking also you know it was really interesting for me having because i didn't read about it until after i saw it i wanted to go in fresh and yeah. um as i was reading some of the criticisms there were, there's definitely a clear line between the sincere criticisms, you know, which I respect that. Like some of them were sincere and they, and people were able to state what their issues were, you know, mm -hmm. from an artistic perspective. But then there was just a lot of like, 
these really weak ones that were were talking about oh the performances were flat she can't direct her way out of a, a paper bag and like blah 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 and force diversity anytime you hear force diversity oh god you know you know exactly who you're dealing with it's like yeah you, you're you got an alt-right uh reviewer and yeah. so i don't know it was just um but like I like I said, I really enjoyed it, and I think I was able to go in fresh because you know I wasn't as tied to the source material. So I, I definitely can understand if someone just you know was really tied to the source material and it, it differed from what they they felt or remembered. I mean, I I can respect that, but I do think that like some of the criticisms were a bit misguided or unfair. Yeah, I feel I've, like well. No, Grace, I'm sorry, go. Yeah, would you, no, would you no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, no, 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 Grace, I mean, you were going to say, you, you had seen it. What's up? Yeah, I've seen it, and I'm like you, like, I read it in high school because we had to read it. So, I mean, but I think I probably would have read it anyway still. But uh, much like you, like, it had been a minute, and I didn't get the chance to, like, read it again prior to going to it. But, um, I, I mean, I definitely had some watery moments in my eyes, and, you know, um, I think what kind of got me is my mother, who was 71, went to go see it on her own, just mm. kind of like, I just want to go see it. And like, she really enjoyed it. And really, wow. oh, that's, so, that's you know, for me, I was like, well, if she, who's never read this book, don't know nothing about it, only supported it because it was Ava DuVernay and Oprah, mm-hmm. you know, like, and she really enjoyed it. I was like, well, I think the movie did something right, you know, if mm. nothing else. So uh, I think it had, you know, lots of great themes, lots of, you know, the fact of this, like, you know, black girl who is like in the center Yes. of like solving problems so to speak is you know yeah. dealing with a lot that little girls deal with all the time you know but it becomes vocal so mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i i am one of those ones that was like the timing i wish had it been different to offer to allow a lot more people to really get into it because i felt like it did once it came out people were like comparing it you know which as we've all said like doesn't make sense but um yeah i think i wish the timing had been different to allow for, you know, a lot bigger um, crowd of people to, you know, to go and see it. Right. No, definitely. And I, I think yeah. I definitely want to yeah. echo your, your sentiments, Grace, about like, you know, just seeing the, I think one of the hugest things is this narrative of the idea that like this black girl was at the center of this narrative. That's black magic. Black magic. But aside from that, though, it was like, it was, yeah. it was like really a, about her in a, the, a way that a lot of you know stories that we see in popular imagination, you know, that mm-hmm. might feature a black girl, we don't really get inside their head or their struggles um, mm. the way that this film did. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. And one thing that was just really cool for me is like, like my uh, my daughter, she she has reading glasses, like she has glasses just for reading, like she her vision is fine just for day to day walking around, but. Um, like a couple of days after we watched the movie, like she was just walking around with her glasses and she was like, daddy, guess who I am? Like, you know, and, and, um, and I was like, uh, I don't know. And then she said, I'm a Meg, like, you know, from the movie. And like, like, I don't know. I just thought that was really awesome. Like that. She, she really like, number one, she dug the story just as a story, but also that like, she, she saw herself, you know what I mean? And like, right. um, I don't know. I think it was really powerful. And I know a lot of people would criticize that and be like, oh, that alone is not a reason for something to be good. And to me, that's not the only merit of the film, but like it was, it's, it's, it's a big a pretty, deal. Though. A damn good one. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Marcus, you're going to start crying again? <laughs> no, man, I'm, okay. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, and like I like I don't know. I have not seen it yet, so I you guys haven't specifically mentioned it, but like the actress who plays Meg Murray, um, I have been watching that that actress for a minute. She kind of like appeared. She was in Slight, which I covered, which I did not like too much. But like as much as I did not like that movie, I recognize something very special about that actress. And so I'm kind of curious to see where she goes from here. And I'm very curious to see her perform. I mean, was she was she good? Like I oh, yeah. I feel like she's sort of one to watch. You know? Yeah, no, she she was yeah. great. And you know, I think that um and Storm Ava, Reed is her name, by the way. Let me yeah, Storm Reed. Sorry, Grace, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just, I just want to say real quick that like for me, what I really enjoyed about her is I, I think um Ava gave her a lot of room to do a lot like you know non-verbally like you know what i'm saying like yes. she definitely obviously spoke in the film but she conveyed so much just with her um just 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 yeah like like non-verbally just her her expressions her um, body language yeah. her posture yeah everything and like i i think that there's a certain uh subtlety that was allowed and that that i think that it was just really great acting. The fact that she was able to convey so much in a lot of instances without words. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Speaking about Black Panther, um, as you guys know, or maybe you don't know, uh, it has made over six hundred million dollars. Isn't that great? It, isn't that crazy? It's a. I think worldwide, that's domestic. Worldwide, it's over a billion. It's the number one superhero yeah. film mm -hmm. of all time. Yep. Right. So I think it was just recently dethroned by Pacific Rim Uprising, but I mean, it had, that too. It had such just, a great run. Oh, just wait. Yo, D the DCU is going to come out with their cyborg movie. It's going to make like $2 billion. Oh, stop, stop, it. It. Stop, stop it. Stop it. Don't beat up. That's like stop. beating up on a child, man. DCB, <laughs> baby. Look, I'm, I'm thrilled about the new gods thing. Just let it go. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair is going to inject some life. <laughs> Okay, all right. If, all right. if DC doesn't mess it up before before she gets to start. There's time. There's time for them to do that. Uh, then she's going to be directing uh, Suicide Squad 2 out of nowhere. They're going to throw, throw on that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> actually, no, I want that. Wait, I just, no, I was making fun of it. I want it. I actually, no, I want Ava DuVernay to direct Suicide Squad 2. That could save it. That could maybe save it. I'm not going to get into it, but she was Suicide Squad. Anybody watch Orphans? Watch what? Uh, Jessica. Oh, Jones oh, Jessica Jones. Um, I have not finished yet. We definitely had a had a discussion about it last episode. Uh, what about you, Grace? What did you think? Um. So Trish gets on my last nerves. Like yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, um, like D digital like, high five, Grace. Nerve. Yes, yes, high five. Yeah, like she got on my last damn nerve, and. Um, <laughs> I was under underwhelmed. It was, you know, just kind of like, and I think they waited too long for it to come back out. I was like, we got everything from the Defenders, Luke Cage, a second uh, Daredevil, and then we finally got Jessica Jones. And I was like, y'all waited too long. Like, you, right. you lost, you lost some stuff, you know. Right. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, let's let's put this out here. But um, yeah, definitely not. You know, I got through it. It took a couple <laughs> days, but I got through it. I got through it. Oh yeah, are y'all talking? Are y'all talking about how Jessica Jones isn't that good? Is that what's, that what's going on? You trying to do a little? Oh lord, discussing I mean... Jessica Jones or? Uh... <laughs> Let me. You know, it's not. It's not for everyone. No. Oh yeah. No, it's. 
said last episode that Leo would have have a lot to speak about. I'm sure. You know, no, it's best. I I haven't seen I haven't seen this. The I will watch season two. So like, you're gonna get the real fresh, oh, real geez. fresh spite. This is just this is offhand spite. Um, just because I hated <laughs> so much and apparently no one else did. But uh, yeah, all right. Now, now wait. If if it if it somehow surprises you and blows you away, will will you will you be able to? Uh, I'm not saying it will. It would you be? I just gave a good review of Ready Player One. All right, yes, okay, I will. That's a I good have, review for Dan. That's his good review. I'm, for no, 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 no. That's not right. <laughs> no, I'm saying like I am open to the universe surprising me. Yes, if it's good, I, 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 I'm not going to go into my JJ rant. All I will say is, I thought the first two episodes of season one had a lot of promise for a great show that it did not become. Right. So I'm, I, if it has become that in season two, I, my, my heart is open to it, but um, doubtful. I will say this, and I mean, I guess the fact that I haven't finished it yet is maybe a, yeah. a, a, a yeah. somewhat of a the you know unintended condemnation. But that being mm-hmm. said, like I, I, one of the issues that I know you and I, Leo, both had with the first season is that she didn't do as much you know detective work as right. we we're accustomed to from the comic, and right. there's definitely more more detective stuff this season. So, yeah, yeah. You know. And that I feel like said. I just have to be obligated to watch it so that when, just like I was only obligated to watch and get through and suffer through Iron Fist because, you know, they like connect. So it's like, you know, right. I'm watching it because there's things there, but, you know, like I, I didn't enjoy Iron Fist, but I only watched it because like I needed to see some things to connect to other stuff. And that's solely it. So that's kind of how like I feel. You know, it'd be great if. It'd be great if that was like the that was the pull quote they put on the Iron Fist poster. <laughs> it's like I, you know, I kind of struggle through it because I know it connects to some stuff. <laughs> Comma, Grace, as you breathe on Twitter, this you know, it would be it would be like Iron Fist. It's in the same universe. <laughs> that question, dot, 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 question mark. Like, <laughs> right. It's good. It's good. It's, uh, yeah. Oh man! All right. Um, I don't. I'm having a lot of fun, and I don't. I don't want to cut it off. But I know that uh, you know, Wit has been gracious enough to stick with us past the you know initial time uh, time frame that we had said, and we're you know moving up on two hours. So I think this is a good uh, good time to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like like Wit, where where can uh, people find you on the internet, and what can what can they look out for you this coming year, like as far as cons or anything else? Sure. Um, and also, by the way, I just want to say, like, I learned a lot about stuff that I need to watch and read now. So thank you for all that. <laughs> I can comment on a lot of them. I'm like, man, I'm so like out of the loop. Um, so in terms of um, I have Mocha, which is in New York next week, um, next weekend, and I'll be at TCAF in Toronto with the Rosarium crew. Um, uh, still planning for this fall but um yeah you can find my work um on my website on the nib as well as um some other sites got a new new yorker comic should be coming out next week so yeah um that's about it i think okay cool we'll we'll put all your links out there as well when when the episode um hits itunes um, but yeah, like, thank you for joining us. It was a, it was a pleasure and definitely thank you for uh, hanging throughout all the technical difficulties. You're, you're a trooper and we're, yes, yes, thank we're you. very thank grateful you. that you no stuck worries. with us. 
Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's nice to talk to y'all. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what? don't don't let the uh, Russia or the internet try to silence you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Black comics chat.